This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 72, Mike Mandel on Pushing Boundaries. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. Hey, it's Jason Lynette here, and there is only one way to sum up this conversation that you're about to listen to that I just had with none other than master hypnotist Mike Mandel out of Canada. And the description I love is that you're going to hear an amazing three or four hour conversation that we managed to have in only about 45 minutes because we cover everything. I mean, we go at it from the directions of this true renaissance that hypnosis is going through in our profession today. We talk about the philosophies of training, how to empower students to take the information that we share out into the world and recreate the same results and even better go further beyond that as well. We talk the business of hypnosis. We even get into what might even be considered fringe topics, though, in my opinion, directly related interests, such as handwriting analysis, as well as the martial arts, and just the true fluidity of how we become that well-rounded person, how we develop that rapport, not only with our clients, with ourselves, and as Mike so brilliantly puts it, it's all about pushing the boundaries to challenge things to a brand new direction. I get to give a great plug here before we officially jump in that if you're a listener of the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast, which I have to assume you are because you're listening to it now, also check out Brain Software with Mike Mandel. That's the podcast that Mike does along with his business partner, Chris Thompson. Chris is an awesome guy. If you're heading to HypnoThoughts Live 2016, if you're listening to this before it, go up and meet them, interact with them. I'm actually signed up. I'm doing my Hypnotic Business Mastery course on the Tuesday, Wednesday before HypnoThoughts. And uh, hey, Thursday's open, so I'm going to be hanging out in the room taking the mindscaping class with, with Mike and hanging out with Chris and everybody else there as well. Again, this, this session is a force of nature, an amazing three or four hour conversation that we just had in a matter of 45 minutes. Hypnotic content at wholesale value. Let's jump right in. This is session number 72, Mike Mandel on Pushing Boundaries. So what I'm fascinated by is that, you know, many of us, I'm sure the story wasn't growing up, I want to be a hypnotist, or was it for you? Well, it actually, um, you know, there's the people who, I guess, want to be hypnotists, and there's those who have hypnosis thrust upon them. I think I fall (laughs) into the second category, because, you know, at 12 years old, um, we had come to Canada from England, and my father was ex-British Army, he was an engineer, and um, my parents are both insanely English eccentrics. I mean, mm-hmm. you wouldn't even believe the stories if I told you. They were true, harmless eccentrics. And um, at, at age 12, I remember my dad being concerned because I wasn't reading enough. And I, I'd become a TV addict because in Britain back then, there were only two channels. And there weren't even any commercials. It was BBC and ITV, and that was it. And then we come to Toronto, and you get all these great stations in Buffalo as well. And I thought it was fantastic. And my dad was concerned because of the, just the sheer amount of television I was watching. And he said, I want you to read more. And I said, well, get me some books. Well, he did. He dragged me off to a bookstore and said, any book you want, you can have any book. And I found in a, an old bin, I think it was like 75 cents or something, Key to Hypnotism, Walter Gibson, hmm. and bought that book and, 
bang, it, it the bug bit, and that's how it all started. Which, and was, correct me on this, yeah. Gibson was also the uh, the writer behind The Shadow as well. The right? Shadow, Lamont Cranston, which is no surprise, really, when you think of it. You know, the clouding of men's minds and so on, right? Yeah, it was a prolific magician and magic writer. And, but it was, I still have, not the original, but I have a copy of it somewhere in my library. And uh, I still use one of the techniques out of it, or at least teach it to this day. But that was it, and that's that's uh, more than 50 years ago now. Wow, wow. And, and it's been a career where from stage to hypnotherapy to training, doing a bit of everything. Yes, yes, very much so. And the hypnosis shows started in 1975. I started doing this January 75, full-time, left my office job for Bell Canada and uh, proceeded to starve for a couple of years. Fortunately, I was living with my parents, so I didn't really starve. And um, it, it just, I, I loved being on stage, loved doing the shows, the universities, the high schools, and then eventually the bars and the corporate stuff as I got older. And, but then moving into the NLP and training in NLP and then doing the therapy. But now the, uh, the teaching hypnosis is my real love. I think it's, nothing turns my crank, Jason. I, I know you, you do every aspect of hypnosis too. And uh, you probably agree with me. Nothing's better than seeing somebody else replicate excellence. Like if you can show somebody something, and they get amazing results with it. It it really is a cool thing to know that they are spreading that now. Well, it's that metaphor that you would often hear of the the trainer, the where, fish. Yeah. Well, the students are all gathered at the feet of the master, pointing back to look what he can do. And um, <laughs> I I don't really have a specific name as I make this reference, but I've I've heard the story over the years of someone goes to a training and asking. Well, what did you learn? And I'm hearing this feedback of, oh, he was so giving. He just gave everything away. And I'm going, but what did you do with it? <laughs> How did That's you right, put yeah. that into action? What's your next step? What are you doing with right. it? Oh, he was just, he's wonder. And it's that, it's that place of, the, you're right, the measure of the success is, is the students replicating that. And right. to, to be there, and I'm sure it's this experience of, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on your private Facebook group as well, where here are people who are making use of the information that they've learned from you, yeah. sharing their feedback. And I, I'd share a dirty, rotten strategy of mine in one of the private groups that I run, <laughs> uh, which I maybe shouldn't be revealing on recording, which is that <laughs> I, will, I will see the question and I will purposefully ignore it for a few hours. Oh, nice. For the reason I that I now see the other fellow students in there answering it instead. And I'm able to swoop in. And yes, it does make my life easier because I can go, yeah, what Josh said. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's fantastic. I'm, I, I'm applying that forthwith. I mean, it's, uh, that's a great strategy because even when I'm at our cottage on vacation, you know, Chris is always saying, he's the business guy. He's saying, you got to get out to MMHA every few days and just have a presence there. So I go up to the local library where we can get Wi-Fi for my iPad. And uh, and it's what you said. You know, somebody will post something, and there'll be 40 responses from other people. Oh, shoot, i got to jump in on this. But it, it makes it a lot easier when other people already have. And you can sort of see the tack and the direction that it's going. Yeah. Well, I mean, let's get on to this theme. And we kind of bounce all over the place on this. That Yeah. When I first got into hypnosis... And my first entry point was seeing a stage hypnosis show back in 2001, watching it and going, oh, that's cool, and grabbing every book I could. And I wish I could track down which book it was just for the reference of how horrible it was, because I think the language really was memorize these words that ought to work. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's burned into my retinas even to this day, which I, I wish I could track it down just for the reference of any book but this one. Though it's that point of view that 
there's been a real shift, I think. And it's that place of, well, years ago, as I got into training, there was this pushback about that's a, that's a high fee and that's a challenge for me. And the biggest issue these days is, is I can't make those dates work. Do you have an online option? So right, we're right. in this renaissance of learn at your own pace, information on demand. And I'm just curious to hear from your perspective, are there, are there benefits of, let's call it distance learning that you've discovered as you've, as you've progressed over the years, as the trainings expand to a worldwide audience? Absolutely. Um, it's, it's really getting in there early enough, I think was, was a good thing. And I attribute all of this to the genius of my amazing business partner, Chris Thompson, who's yes. also a great hypnotist and probably the nicest guy anybody will ever meet. He's just completely genuine. He loves to help people. It's just, that's the way he is. And he got on my case for years because he first saw me when he was in university and uh, he said, eventually studied with me and then joined a martial arts class and we became close friends. And he said, you've got to put it online. That's the next big wave. And I didn't see it. You know, I'm, I'm in my sixties for crying out loud. It's <laughs> like, you know, I use the internet, but I don't understand it. To me, it's like cotton, you know, I use cotton, but I don't know how it works. <laughs> so he says, uh, he says, you got to get it out there. Like online training is the way to go. Cause I, I love doing keynotes and for corporations and so on. And, um, he was right because the number of people now who are connected with the group from, I never dreamed it would open the door to having people fly in like psychiatrists come in from Singapore to study in Toronto. And they're hearing all of this because of the online presence, whether it is Mike Medical Hypnosis Academy or whether it's our own podcast, Brain Software. But the use of the internet has changed everything. I mean, it's, you know, I said to my wife, I really do not miss dragging my butt around Southern Ontario, which is what I did for so many years, right? And it, it's changed everything. And I think you really nailed it, Jason, when you mentioned the line, people want to learn at their own pace as well. And it's one of the things I'm in love with, which comes out of the U.S., is the great courses. And I have studied everything from you know quantum physics to cathedral architecture, just, just for the sheer joy of learning. But that is what makes it work for me, is being able to do it at my own pace. You know, I can power through five lessons if I want or take two weeks off. And, I think that is the direction people are definitely moving. And there's something to be gained about, too, that ability to go back and review the information and access what they need to see rather than Absolutely, it's, it's, yeah. that, it's that flash in the pan and then it's gone. Yes. yes Which, I mean, to too. back up the other side, I, I did some of my original training and then revisited a course with that same instructor about eight years later. And that was a moment in terms of my experience where it became the, oh, wait. I thought I learned that from this person, but I came up with that <laughs> type of moment <laughs> oh, of, cool. of unpacking what I had, you know, the line of do it this way. And then it becomes the, the, the telephone game in our minds where it just slowly morphs into something else, morphs into something else. Yeah. Yeah. They call it postman or something in England when you're kids, it, yeah. It, it's guess Yeah. You're delivering it to the next person. It keeps warping you. But that, that's so funny because the way you describe it is the ideal way. You, you go back eight years later and you find out that this brilliant idea did not come from the trainer. It came out of your own brain. I had the opposite one happen recently. <laughs> I mean, I can't even remember what the quote was. It's in my notes. I've been saying this thing for years that I thought was absolutely original. I was convinced it was me until I read it in a Milton Erickson book a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I went, I got this from Erickson. I thought it was me. So it's a humbling thing, but, you know, I, and, and again, working with people's learning styles too. I, I know we're, we're sort of stuck with online doing the, 
the visual learning and the auditory learning, and then people hopefully are going to get out and do something with it rather than just watch the videos and listen to the recordings. But you never know. It's like when I did my NLP trainer training with the late Derek Bomber, who's a Cambridge linguist here in Toronto, his trainer track was two years. Mm. So it's, we, you know, we'd meet a couple of times a month for two years, but that, that kind of immersion it really makes sure that you get it, you know, and he used to smack me in the side of the head and always tell me I was working too hard. I, I put too much into it. You're working too hard. You take it easy. You're pushing it, smack me in the head again. But um, yeah, it's, I, I, we haven't got that luxury now, but with, with the online academies and the online learning possibilities, I can't even imagine what the next phase of this is going to be. You know, like what's it going to be? Where's the learning going to go? And especially because hypnosis right now is worldwide going through the biggest renaissance in history. When you said renaissance, you're correct. I mean, it's, it's, this is also the biggest fascination with the subject since the 1880s. That was the last time it peaked like this. And it's now just, boom, it's worldwide. People want to know all about it, whether it's for using it for hypnotherapy or, you know, stage stuff or whatever. So it, it's a great time to be in this fascinating industry. And I'm sure you'll agree with me too, having, I was just at my first HypnoThoughts last year, it does draw some colorful characters, doesn't it? <laughs> like really, it's a good way people. of putting it. <laughs> yeah. No, I'd reference that, and we'll put a link to this in the in the show notes here for this podcast. That there's there's a there's a talk that I put out online about a year or two ago called "Just the 21st Century Mindset." That I really feel that in hypnosis, the well, the best way to describe it, there's a student who's in a class of mine. Sometime, I think it was like March last year. And the way that I typically train, I'm in the Washington, D.C. Uh, suburb area, which means that I've got s apparently six of the 10 most affluent cities all within 20 miles of me. So it's it's, wow. it's pretty easy. I was I was doing a coaching call with a student out in Iowa yesterday and asking the question of what's the nearest big city and finding out it's Chicago two hours away. So it's easy for me to do a course where it's a mm -hmm. weekend format. Yes. There's so many people in a tightly compact area. So I mention that because it's where students are back. It's the second weekend. It's like three weeks later. And one of them had this experience of talking about the training with her family members. And I mean, she's coming in and she looks like she has just been run through the ringer. She's been beat up by them about the mindset <laughs> of. But they've said hypnosis is weird and it's scary and people won't come to me. And my real honest response was. It's not a matter of what they were saying being the issue. The issue is you're agreeing with them. That I think brilliant. In terms brilliant. of our it. in terms of our hypnosis profession, we are actually much further along than most of us would give it credit for. I, I crack the joke that you set up an alert online in different news cycles, and there's always stories of this celebrity, this person making use of hypnosis. Sometimes we have the celebrity where we're going, yeah, thank you, but just anyone but you. But we have these <laughs> moments where the research that's coming out, the results that's coming out, the feedback, the, the people who would say, well, you hit on this earlier, the people who would say, oh, doctors won't refer to you, yet you also having doctors in the room as students or even clients, that it's mm -hmm. this, I think the hypnosis profession needs a bit of a hypnotist at times in terms of increasing that confidence of here's where we really are. Oh, that's interesting. I find, too, there's a sort of a barrier with people who have been immersed in reading scripts at people for so long that they have very little confidence in their own abilities. You know, there's, there's a whole layer of, of hypnotists who 
have maybe been doing this for 10 or 15 years, but they're still resorting to essentially having a programmed response to a client instead of interacting with a human being. And when people learn to jump in the deep end and swim, instead of sort of paddle in the shallows with somebody holding their hand and you know wearing a swimming ring, then, then they're not going to be afraid of, of whatever they're dealing with. They're, they're going to have the confidence and know that on the fly, they'll be able to interact with that person and guide them into something more appropriate, guide them into a resourceful state and start working from there. But I agree with you. It's, it's booming. It's amazing. And uh, maybe we are a lot further along than we realize. It's, uh, there's, there's so much going on in the world of hypnosis. And I, that's why I'm thrilled that we're all going to be at HypnoThoughts again next month. It's, I, in fact, I just said to my wife, I've got to renew my passport. I better hurry up and do it because oh, I've only yeah. got a month to get it done. And my, my U.S. visa is in my current Canadian passport. My my U.S. visa does not expire for a couple of years yet, but my passport's expiring. So I'm not sure how that all works. I'll have to figure it out. I'll, I'll say it comfortably. I'm signed up for the class to get that in order. No, the, the, the metaphor of people who are doing the same thing day in, day out, the thing that's coming out of some interactions with clients and students these days is the imagery of the birthday party clown who also does animal balloons. So it's not quite their specialty yet it's something that they can add on as a service. And Hey kid, I can make you any animal you want. So long as it looks like a dog or a snake. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I, I'm curious to take the conversation a different place for a moment, which we very often get into themes of how we got into hypnosis, what our inspirations are and what we're currently doing though. I think the conversation often needs to be had about what it is that we do that makes us just human. The things that we're doing that are just within passions of ours and even how it's inspired some of our work with clients that you have a pretty strong background in the martial arts. Yes, that's quite true. Yeah. I, I used to joke and say hypnosis is a martial art of the mind, but <laughs> instead of down cranking someone and, and twisting their neck, instead you're actually helping them. So. <laughs> I don't think the, the, it doesn't work too well as a metaphor, but yeah, the martial arts, it ties into it to a large degree. And the, the funny thing is, Jason, the number of people who have, have joined our hypnosis classes in Toronto, a lot of them came in through my British jiu-jitsu class first, or a lot of our British jiu-jitsu students were hypnotists first. So there's a huge overlap there, although I'd be hard pressed to determine exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. What from that, what from that style, what from that approach would you say has influenced your hypnosis over the years? Wow, that's or a good question. what from your hypnosis has influenced that style? I think it's the, um, the aspect of, of fluidity, dealing with the situation instead of going in with a plan. Mm. That, that, I'm huge on that with both hypnosis and with the martial arts. You know, dealing with, you know, in chess they say, play the position, not the opponent. Look at the position on the board and play that regardless of who's across from you. Find the best move. And it's the, um, it's the same with the martial arts. I mean, you, you have to adapt it, obviously, for people who are larger or whether or not they're trained, whether or not they're armed and so on. But it's the fluidity, the thinking on the fly, the being able to stay in a very resourceful state and follow it wherever it goes. I think that that's something I brought to the hypnosis and from the hypnosis back to the British jiu-jitsu as well. Yeah, yeah. So then avoiding does, rigidity, I guess, avoiding rigidity. And now we're talking about what we're avoiding instead of what we're moving towards. <laughs> so, <laughs> avoiding rigidity, that's my away from value and, and moving towards fluidity. How's that? Yeah, I mean, it's the it's a line from Charles Tebbets about just deal with what emerges. Right. That whatever, and I think I loved about Tebbets. Yeah. 
whatever it is, like deal with what's the, what's happening. Like work with what's there. And I, that's one of the contributions from Tebbets. I think that's really, really good. Just, you know, instead of a plan, instead of a, a script, instead of some organized system you're going to use, what's presenting itself? Deal with that first. Well, let's rewind it back then. So the client is in front of you. And is there a specific journey? While it may not be obviously, obviously not a scripted out process or even a specific protocol, is there something of a style, something of a, let's call it a thematic structure that you feel you're really bringing to the process in terms of the journey that client's about to go on? I think so. I think it really just comes out of setting up the most profound rapport loop with the person I can and being genuine, which means being prepared to be vulnerable as a therapist. And I think that builds tremendous, and we're talking now purely therapeutically, but I think that can build tremendous trust. I think people can sense that. I think especially people in trances are really able to calibrate phoniness really quickly or something that not even phony, but just artificial. And I think if we can be vulnerable and um, really be ourselves with clients, we go a long way towards helping people change. Because remember, I don't know who it was, you might, you'll probably know, Jason, the person who said, whoever it was, who said the number one thing about getting someone to change is whether or not they like you. And if we can be genuinely likable human beings, and this is going to, I'm going to be vulnerable with you here now. It's a very odd thing. When every hypnosis class, and my students laugh about this because I, I, the final day of every class, we five day course, we all go out for Japanese food together for lunch. And it's a lot of hilarity and we have a blast and we come back and hang out and do the Esdale state last thing and sign the certificates. And then I give them the final metaphor of the day. And we present gifts in that to some of them who we think have really excelled. And every freaking time I am convinced I'm going to get through this without tearing up. <laughs> and I never can because it's been a week of seeing people just replicating excellence and seeing people grow and people who've been afraid of even speaking in front of an audience and day five, they're delivering these killer metaphors they've invented that are just amazing. And then my vulnerability comes out and it's, I think people might, one of my students I met with him when I was in Boston, he's a medical doctor, he's an obstetrician. I think he listens to you actually. So he'll, he'll know who I mean, but he said he was surprised that I was actually pretty normal <laughs> and, a, and a, a fairly nice guy. Like he thought I was going to be really arrogant and everything from the podcast, which of course is a complete joke. It's just a persona for the podcast. But so in the class, you know, the, the thing is, I think some people, we get people coming in from New Zealand and India to study in Toronto and there can be an awe factor that really, it makes my hypnotic work easy. That's for sure. But I think it's good for them to remember that the Wizard of Oz is actually just human. You know? mm -hmm. He's just being a little further down the yellow brick road than some of them, or just purely by living longer. I think that kind of vulnerability and honesty does a, does a lot for the students, too, because they know they, know they can be themselves and do sterling work. Yeah, I, I'd mention of all things, my, my background was working in professional theater on the management side, so I wasn't... I wasn't the actor, designer, or, you know, any of those things. I was the person creatively finding ways to make all these people get along, which the line <laughs> is, if that's not psychological training, I don't know what is. Though it's, right. it's the moment where suddenly it's this big name who's now on this production or here in the D.C. area, I'd be doing some sort of political event and doing management for that. And this moment of, oh, yeah, this one's trying to find their keys. 
Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I, and I am having to flash back to a moment where I call it the Willie Nelson effect in an odd way because oh. my, my mother was a huge, it still is a huge Willie Nelson fan. And finally, yeah. after 40 years of being a fan, I surprised her with tickets to go see him in concert. And I mean, consummate professional into the show. He sits on the edge of the stage. He talks to everybody. Uh. And they're having a conversation that she's already been having with him for 40 years. And he's just being welcomed into for the first time. Uh, and oh, I mean, fantastic. it's why I do so much video, uh, as, as you all do well, where it's the students are coming in and they're continuing a conversation that I'm interacting for the first time, though my version of that was as the students showed up early for the first day of a recent course, he goes, you're taking out your own trash? <laughs> and I'm just having to give the brutal, the brutal honesty of, well, I hired someone to do that once during a class and I basically paid them for nine hours to work for 10 minutes. So um, I got it. I got it. <laughs> oh, brilliant. It's brilliant. It's funny because my wife and I were in the Loblaws. The Loblaws is the local variety or grocery store here, one of the big chains. And we're in there shopping and my wife is getting something off the shelf. And this kid must have been high school age, walked by this was 15, 20 years ago. He said, Mike Mandel, you shop? Said, of course I shop. He said, do you think little elves bring my food to me? It's like, what are you talking about? He just couldn't conceive that I would shop. Hypnotize people to make my food float on into my house. You know, So that's the same one, isn't it? But the Willie story, that's fantastic. I like what you're saying about the continuing the conversation. You know, it's just now she's getting it from him directly. And she's now present as he's speaking. That's wonderful. Yeah, which especially to look at our change process, I mean, the clients coming in and for them to have already had most of these interactions is where uh, I feel there's so many things we can do thanks to kind of going back to our first chat here about uh, technology. There's so many things we can do that suddenly now the process is already in motion. I mean, the hypnosis begins the moment they know we exist. Right. And yes, to, it does. To, to plant those seeds, to plant those influences. Yes. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Nico is one of my students from France. He's actually a Wing Chun teacher too. Really interesting guy, but he does the thing. I do the same thing. We intersect people, and he's, he's I call him a natural intersector. He just begins a conversation with a stranger, and it becomes powerful hypnosis just seamlessly, but not by choosing techniques or you know running through a deck of flashcards in his head or anything. Just by, it's hard to explain, but. I find everybody who's doing hypnosis at, at a pretty high level eventually does that. That's why I, I love coming to Hypnothoughts. Like I said, I've only, I've only been once, but this second time, I'm just thrilled to be there because the quality of the trainers, there's some amazing people teaching there, like William Woods, I was, heard him. Yes. And um, I, said, I said, Bill, I said, I'm an NLP trainer. And I said, I have never heard anchoring explained as cogently and succinctly as you just did. And as he demoed it, I just, I had aha moments going, this is brilliant. And then of course the Elmans to, to have a connection to Larry, yes. uh, through Larry Elman to his dad and, and Carl Smith from Britain. And it just, it's going to be fantastic. I'm so looking forward to this. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I'd curious to jump over for a moment once again, so where did the handwriting analysis come in? Oh, oh, that's really interesting. It was my stepmother back in um, about 1990 gave me as a birthday present because I'm a reading fanatic. She gave me a gift certificate for a store in Toronto that doesn't exist anymore. It was called the world's biggest bookstore because it was, it was <laughs> enormous. It was like a Walmart and it was just books. 
And um, so I, this gift certificate sat there for months. And then one day my wife said, are you going to use that? I said, yeah, we'll take it downtown. So I went downtown. I went to the bookstore. And she said, here's a book you might be interested in. And it was a handwriting analysis book, a graphology book. And the woman who wrote it, Andrea McNichol, had done graphology for the FBI and Scotland Yard. And she trained at the Sorbonne in Paris and University of Heidelberg. We can get degrees in it. And it was based on science, like any other science, where large numbers, you know, like let's look at the handwriting of a thousand people who are depressed, have a handwriting of 500 extremely high achievers. What are the common elements? What can we deduce from this? And can we then make predictions? And it, you know, it goes back a couple hundred years now. But so I got the book, read it, loved it. And my wife said, you should study this. And, and she found a woman in Toronto, Elaine Cheryl, who was Canada's best graphologist. And I went and had a private lesson with her. And she convinced me to do the International Graphical Analysis Society trainings. And I did that. And then that led into dozens and dozens of other books and trainings and things. And because I have a very strong police connection, I taught the advanced interviewing module at the Ontario Police College and a bunch of other stuff like that. They started coming to me, not just for forensic hypnosis, but they found out about the graphology and said, can you do this for us? And I said, sure. So I looked at suicide notes and the threatening letters and all kinds of things like that. And the results were just amazing. So eventually I said to Chris, we should put this out as a product. And we did. It became our online graphology training as well. And what? it's astounding because if people knew what their handwriting revealed, and I know now everybody's, you know, thumbing devices instead, but most people can still write. If they knew how much it revealed, then it never, ever lies. They'd never let anybody look at it. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah, and to find those patterns, it's, it's that, modeling of the experience that even with the scope of working with our clients this place where while we don't want to fall prey to this is just like that this is just like this oh you're reminding me of this other client who came in and let's just run the same routine again where you want to right, dog right. or a snake but to to go in and actually to reference back to previous session of this program i had chris jones on here which he was the guy that on uh, tv program america's got talent got fellow Canadian, Howie, Howie Mandel to shake hands, which was a big deal. Oh, and, yes, yes, right. Yeah, and there's a whole revelation. While the moment was absolutely genuine, there was definitely the moment of the producers feeding Chris every bit of information possible to guarantee it was going to work. Which okay. I, I love that aspect where they're going, well, his Howie's wife quit smoking with hypnosis. He will shake hands with somebody if they're wearing rubber gloves. So use this as you can. <laughs> and that's that's right. how they crafted that moment. But I, I'd reference it's where we can model from the experience anything the client is bringing to the table, whether it's their right. profession, their relationships. And I love this concept of even from the handwriting as well, that everything becomes an asset. Everything becomes something at our disposal to gather information and then feed it back in hypnotically to produce the results. Yes, absolutely. You know, Jason, that's, that's bang on. And the way I personally use that is when I see a client on Skype, I often do mindscaping on Skype, which becomes mind Skyping. And um, <laughs> or whether, whether I'm seeing someone in an office, which I don't, I very seldom do now. I just haven't got the time at this age. So what happens is in at least 24 hours beforehand, preferably 48, so I got the time, I get somebody to write a, about a paragraph of their typical handwriting on online paper, sign it and date it and scan it full size and send it to me. So by the time they come into my office, I've spent five or 10 minutes looking at this and I know 
everything about them. So I know how, what they're hiding from themselves and so on. And it gives me a tremendous amount of information to feedback and, and work with them. And, it, you know, it's like cold reading, except it's accurate. It's, it's not, you know, a shot in the dark. It's all going to work. I had a, an event for Neil Strauss out in Western Canada in Whistler. And uh, there were a bunch of guys there. One was a doctor, very nice guy. And he said, can you show me, what, tell me what my handwriting says? And I looked at it and I said, this very quiet, unassuming man. I said, it says you've got to deal with that incredible sexual aggression that you keep hidden. <laughs> and he went bright red to the roots of his hair. And he basically said, bloody hell, man, have you ever pegged me? <laughs> but that shows in writing really, really obviously. It, it unless the person knows what to look for. That sentence not, is not going to be any, in any cold reading book. <laughs> no, probably not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So it's great. Again, back to what you said, feeding back, you know, what, what they're giving you, use, utilizing everything, utilizing and incorporating the environment and their schema and their beliefs and their doubts and their happiness and their strengths and feeding it back in a way that's going to give them the best possible response. So who would you say have been some of your biggest inspirations in hypnosis? Certainly my, my mentor, Derek Bomber. He was, he was phenomenal. He was a, an NLP trainer who was certified by John Grinder. Secondly, would be John Grinder himself. I, I got to know him as a, as a friend and uh, went out for dinner with him a few times. And he's just a super guy, but he is the most brilliant person I've ever trained with. I think it's just to watch him work on so many levels at once is is mind blowing. I've modeled much of his stuff, as I'm sure he's aware. They were both amazing. I'd have to say my grade six teacher, Donald Thane, who was another amazing human being and a wonderful, uh, an amazing teacher and a wonderful human being. And Donald Thane was this guy who made learning just so freaking exciting. We had planets hanging from the ceiling. He had a horned toad in the room and tarantulas and snakes, and a hive of honeybees vented outside. I mean, can you imagine doing that now with this litigious society in a school, having honeybees coming in and out of your class and with a hive? And it, it just, he, he got me fascinated. I can see now with how you can get people to want to learn, how you can move away from a typical, you know, regurgitate this material. You can make it a process, a journey, something that's empowering and lovely. Which, I mean, in terms of that journey, I love on one side, yes, it's a, it's a dash of branding, but the approach of referring to hypnosis as the architecture of hypnosis. Right, right. Where, what was the inspiration? How did that come about as? Oh, I can tell tell you exactly where they came from, Jason. I, I had completed one of those amazing great courses, which are out of Virginia, by the way. Right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did Gothic Cathedral Architecture. And if you're not familiar with it, if your listeners aren't, if listeners aren't familiar, I know I have no connection with the company other than being one of their best customers. And um, they get the best, maybe 2%, 5% of professors in the world as chosen by their students. And these guys put courses together, so maybe 24 to 48 lessons on a subject, and you watch them or listen to them or stream them, and you get a, wor a workbook with it. So you're basically taking a college-level course, but you're never tested on it. You're doing it purely for the joy of learning. And I did one with Professor William Cook on cathedral architecture, right back to Notre Dame, Gothic cathedrals, and I was blown away with the quality of the presentation, the beauty of the, the videos and so on. And uh, one morning... I woke up, I had already been teaching hypnosis for NLP Canada years ago, and I woke up one morning and I had an epiphany. I lay in bed and I suddenly saw a hypnosis training that was structured like a Gothic cathedral. 
it had an actual structure with a solid foundation and pillars and bays and up into, you know, the tower and the stained glass and everything had a point and it just mapped across instantly in my head. And that's when I decided to call it the architecture hypnosis, and rebuilt my course from the ground up. And that's what it became. I love it. So in the terms of rebuilding, if there was, if there was a hypnotic suggestion to offer to the hypnotic profession, a, a change, a transformation for the hypnotic profession, what would you suggest that be? Push the boundaries, <laughs> push the boundaries. I, that, I had one evening training with Richard Mandler and he said, he said, never, never set the limits yourself. He said, we don't know what they are. He said, don't worry, you will hit them. You'll eventually run your head into a wall. But if you act as though there aren't any, you'll get way better results. And that's served me very well over the years. Back when I was, even before I heard that from him, when I was in my, my 20s doing Georgian College, which is north of Toronto, and um, I was taking away people's names by firing these states without knowing exactly how I was doing it, just sort of intersecting people. And a man came up to me afterwards and was irate. This guy, probably my age now, and he had his wife and a friend, and he said, you're doing something wrong. And I, whoa, what? He said, you're taking away people's names without a somnambulistic trance, and that's impossible. <laughs> I said, well, you just saw me do it, but that's just wrong. Well, I didn't know that you couldn't do that. So I think if I had known that that was a limitation in the model, I probably never would have done it. So, yeah, accept no limitations and, and see how far we can push the boundaries because we have a wonderful art that is also a science, and it, it's a great time to to learn from each other and continue to grow and get amazing at this stuff because there are so many there's probably 90 percent of all the brilliant hypnotists who've ever lived are alive right now so you know we can all learn from each other and continue to grow accept no limitations i love it and again it's that renaissance of this place where things are flourishing and the opportunity to interact with others whether it's uh, we'll give a plug for your podcast as well and uh tell us Tell us a bit about mindscaping, which I, I have to admit, first of all, will give the uh, definite plug, which is that this is actually, I think, probably one of the first times you and I are actually getting a chance to sit down and chat. Yet, oddly enough, your business partner, Chris Thompson, and I keep running into each other at both hypnosis conventions and marketing conventions. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> so it's that moment of. Okay, yeah, we're friends now. But it's yeah, that, yeah. that place. So th there's the class that's coming up. It's going to be the Thursday before HypnoThoughts Live. Though this is also an online offering if you can't make the live event. Give us the, the let's call it the landscape of what is mindscaping. Okay, mindscaping has its origin in things like Jungian archetypes. and Even Genesis was in thinking about how we're coding time and space geographically. And an internal environment that is four dimensions, like length, width, height, and also time. There's a temporal aspect to it. I just had an idea once, and I tested it on Chris, and it worked really well. And I kept doing it. We, I got three amazing female therapists in Toronto and trained them in it and set them loose. And they started reporting. They were getting these amazing, phenomenal results with all varieties of things without really understanding how this is working. And mindscaping is essentially a form of hypnosis with no formal trance, but it, it, it elicits an internal map that is specific to the client's problem. And it can be a map as huge as the person's health and wellness or as small as that meeting I have tomorrow morning. And there's a map that the unconscious will present. And when you're working with clients, it's important to have a metaphor that's going to match their problem and make the changes. 
And Erickson was brilliant at giving the right metaphor to the right person, which is terrific if you have his unconscious mind, but most of us don't. But mindscaping, what it does that's different is it elicits the metaphor from the subject's own unconscious mind. So the subject's unconscious presents you with the key that will unlock the problem. And it is freaky. In fact, the other day, Jason, I'm literally last week, I was in town at the where our summer cottage is. And I saw a young man in the store. He's about 17 years old. Chris remembers this. I drove up to visit him last year, drove two and a half hours, the request of his father, because the kid had a huge health concern. Teenage boy, so he had weird, weird blood work. And they were, first they were thinking lupus, then they didn't know. And he went to Toronto, to Toronto Sick Children's Hospital, which does a lot of adolescent medicine as well. One of the best in the world. And they couldn't figure out what they were seeing with the blood work. And they started thinking maybe leukemia. And he was scared to death. His parents were scared to death. So I came up and the only thing I did was did a mindscape on his blood work. That's specific. <laughs> and that his body would use the blueprint for perfect health. And said, Nothing to lose by throwing it at it. See what happens. That was it. it. Took about half an hour, and I drove back to Toronto, and I didn't see him until last week. And when I ran into him in the store, I said, "How's your health?" He said, "Fantastic." He said, "It fixed itself, just like you said." What? And then his father came over to our cottage two nights later and told us the whole thing. He said the pathologist didn't know how to deal with it. They didn't know what had happened. All his blood work had just changed. So I didn't do anything. His unconscious mind made the necessary shifts, but I worked with a, a cancer patient out in uh, Western Oregon over Skype. All of a sudden, he was getting amazing results. He's back at work again. And it's, but it's not just for health. You can throw it at anything and elicit the unconscious mind's systems and use it on relationships or attitude towards money or pretty well anything you can think of. And there's an internal map for that situation. Once you have the map, just seeing it will often change the situation but you can also then landscape the map. And when you change the map, it change, changes our subjective experience, and then everything changes out there too. So would you, would you categorize it as another modality, as a specific strategy inside, or how would, you, how would you, if we had to compartmentalize it? I would think of it as a modality, yeah. Or, or, or another, there's a lot of ways, right? It could mm -hmm. be another form of hypnosis or a way of building profound rapport so the unconscious of the subject shows you what to do. But I guess it would be a modality. It's a standalone modality. You can use it as, you know, a social worker or a sports coach or a hypnotherapist, or you can use it with NLP and with hypnosis more formally or, you know, any of the tapping regimens. It'll work seamlessly with pretty well any of them. So it's a standalone technique, but it's a, a product, but it's also something that can be applied across the board. Yeah, and again, that's so, going to be happening uh, Thursday before hip all day Live yeah this year which uh hey i'm signed up so i'm looking forward to it well, that's great man well, we're, i think we've got 50 people in the class oh, beautiful. so it's going to be a blast and um we'll see what shifts we can make in the class yeah nice nice hey mike this has been fantastic having you on here buddy it's been great talking to you chris talks about you all the time <laughs> and i think you're one of the reasons he's looking forward to thoughts so much because he did say that you've certainly become a friend so that's fantastic likewise yeah. for me and you can interact with both mike and chris over on their podcast it's brain software available on itunes and anywhere else that podcast may be downloaded and the website is mike mandel mike mandel.com you got it
Beautiful. We'll put links to all that. We'll put some videos. And uh, I love the lineage, and we'll definitely put a link to this there as well. I love the the demo on YouTube where there's the history of even the Dave Elman induction, where the line was for the fractionation at one point, four is too many and two is not enough, and there you are doing it six times. <laughs> and it works That's so right. well. I love it. <laughs> Excellent. Which is a place Excellent. where, again, I mean, there's there's a podcast session a few ones back with Melissa Tears, and... She became famous and infamous at HypnoThoughts last year where she gave a keynote at an HPTI graduation under the theme of, quote, I think it was, I may paraphrase it, but at least get the theme right of, quote, all this blank is made up, which is that for every, <laughs> no, for everything that we hold dear, for everything we treat as gospel, I always flash back to the, the infomercial line of there's got to be another way. Oh, yeah, yeah and, yeah. and you're right. It's that mindset of pushing the boundaries. What if I do it this way? What happens if I do this? What if I go for that phenomenon without profound somnambulism and I get the same result? Right. And I, I really think there's something to be said with the old adage, too. In order to, you've got to know the rules in order to break them. I think one of the best things people can, one of the best things people can do who want a career in this remarkable art is to get a very firm foundation. And then you've got something to launch off from rather than sort of bouncing around in the dark in every direction. So yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be an exciting few years ahead of all of us. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com. Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program. Thanks for leaving your feedback online. Head over to worksmarthypnosis.com forward slash iTunes, and that's where you can leave your feedback online. Or, hey, just go over to the worksmarthypnosis.com page and browse around. You're going to see there's a lot of really cool resources there. And I'm just going to ramble them off here so you can get an idea as to some of the amazing content. There's the digital access to the virtual gastric band training, probably one of the Probably, I would say the hypnotic weight loss protocol that has helped launch more hypnosis businesses than anything else of its nature out there. There's access to hypnotic workers, which is the entire brain dump of my hypnotherapy training that you can get access to over there. And not just programs that are for purchase, also some amazing resources you can check out for free, whether it's Go Deep, the guide to guiding your clients to profoundly de guide guiding to... I can't talk today. Pro guiding your clients to profoundly deep hypnosis. We're not editing that out. As well as, hey, this was uh, session number 72 with Mike Mandel, which means there's at least 71 other outstanding action-packed sessions that you can check out as well. Many of them we even referenced inside of this program here with Mike today. So head over to worksmarthypnosis.com. Click the buttons, get on the list, stay up to date, grow your hypnosis business, Go out and push some boundaries. I'll see you soon.